How's everyone doing tonight? We doing better than this morning? Anyone? Kind of the same? Anyone doing about the same? Okay. Anyone doing worse, maybe? We can pray for you right now. Uh, well, to me, again, once again, it's always an honor, and it's always, uh, to be honest, it's both an honor and a pleasure to be able to minister. Uh, I, I've, I was telling Pastor Brian, you know, I, I feel right at home. Uh, when I met Pastor Brian, we met like two years ago, and I don't say this uh, to say this. It's kind of, because, it, I, I mean, and the more you get to know me, the more you'll understand uh, that I really just don't say stuff to say stuff, uh, but <clears throat> he, he was just on my heart ever since we we met and with my wife we've been praying and not only for him but for you guys which is why when I got here I'm like oh my gosh you guys don't know, even know but I love you guys so much I've been praying for you so long it's like I'm so happy to get to see you again and, and to know what God is going to do here not just what he has done but what he will continue to do and the seeds that have been planted and just the just everything that is coming together for these you know these days and I'm a firm believer that we are in the last days i'm a firm believer that jesus is coming back and, and if that doesn't excite you my dad would say it's because you really don't know who's coming uh and, and then you gotta get to know him you know my, my dad once told me john david hopefully uh, when you get to heaven it's not the first time you've been there and i'm like wait you've already been there what are you talking about and he's talking about getting to know him that you you don't have to wait for him to come to know who god is uh and so I, i'm firm believer that he's coming soon and as uh, as his coming gets closer and closer i believe also the church will start accelerating in, in reaching in, in blessing in, in miracles and so uh, i'm excited for you i'm excited for us in general because we're part of the church right and we're about to see great things you know an acceleration of things when we say acceleration you know these are kind of like you know clickbaity words you know like oh you just say that to get me excited but you know the first example of Jesus is you know miracle ministry ministry of miracles uh anyone remember when his first miracle was was it at a wedding right and it, and it wasn't even his time and then he does this miracle uh, of changing water into wine and one of the things so I'm no wine connoisseur you know I was born in the church and born all these things and so I, I really don't know really don't care but one thing I've noticed though is that the older that the wine is and the more time that it has stayed in like these wine cellars the more expensive and the better they get uh to the point where there's some bottles of wine that are sold for thousands of dollars and what's incredible is that when jesus turned water into wine it says that you know they have saved the best for last it's like there had to have been an acceleration for for wine that usually tastes this good in years and he did it in seconds is because he he knows how to do these things like when God does a miracle, you know, what takes years can take seconds if God is in the equation. How many believe in a God that can accelerate a few things even today? And so it, when, I, when I imagine and when I pray, you know, things out, not only for our ministry, but for this ministry, I know God is about to accelerate some things. Because when the power of God starts to move, uh, it's just he's already set precedent for it. That he, you know, what takes years in the making when the power
power of God is present can take seconds. And how many are ready to receive that this week? Amen. It's, to me, it's super exciting because it means that there's going to be a lot of work that's going to be taken off of our hands. It's going to be accelerated. Amen. Uh, so anyway, I did go for a run. And for some reason, I'm like now even more excited uh, and I'm not tired at all. But today... I want to start by praying. Uh, Father God, we thank you uh, one more time for this uh, opportunity that you have given us again uh, to come together as a family, to come together as a church, to come together as your people, Father. And Father, we ask that tonight your Holy Spirit move in our lives with power, with revelation, Father, that as we go into your word, we know that your word is the truth. And as we know the truth, the truth sets us free father we declare tonight that there is freedom in this place we declare father that we are free from sickness we are free from lack we are free from depression that as we know your word there's a freedom that enters into this place and we thank you for this in advance in the name of jesus i pray amen amen how many believe that tonight freedom tonight okay cool so uh, I, I mentioned this morning, I have this daughter, uh, Amanda. Uh, her name's actually Amanda Grace. Uh, her full name is Amanda Grace Romick Lopez, because my wife is Colombian, and so, and in Colombia, you have both last names. Anyway, it's a whole thing. Uh, so people in Colombia laugh because, you know, she's, she's Colombian on paper, uh, but she was born in Rankin County, Mississippi. Uh, and, and so there's just this, I mean, she's going to grow up with uh, just a difference of cultures in into her so we she was born in the in the states then we moved back to Colombia and then but we've been traveling back and forth and, and recently uh, we, we I brought her with me on this trip during the summer and, and you know we've tried to be those parents where we're like you know our kid will never try sugar until they're 18 and and we'll never see an iPad until they're 20 until they can afford their own iPad and you, you know how when you don't have kids you think you're gonna be the perfect parents and all it takes is to have a kid and then you realize you know this is kind of harder and I have, I'm gonna have to say sorry to a couple of people I've been judging secretly behind their backs uh, and so um, I don't know maybe it's just me but uh, so anyway we would bring her back to the states and we're like you know you will not you'll just eat everything organic non-processed food it's it's gonna be amazing and you're gonna love it uh, and then we gave her a Twinkie uh, when she was when she was in the states and she's never turn back like she's just first time she tried french fries her eyes almost exploded she's like what is this like this is the most amazing thing ever i'm like that's america baby like it's just it's freedom is what you what you're trying right now you know Anyway, so with that being said, as you know, in, in my baby's tenure in the States, she started watching movies uh, and we, we put one movie on and she just loved and the movie is Sing. And so I don't know if you've seen it or not. You don't have to if you don't, if you don't want to. But it, it, there's like these animals and they sing songs. And then there's this one gorilla. Uh, this is going to sound crazy, but there's one gorilla who sings a song and the song is like an old Elton John song called I'm Still Standing. And Amanda makes me put... Put her that song all the time 
all the time in the car. I, she, and all she says is Johnny, Johnny, because the gorilla's name is Johnny. And so she's like, Johnny, Johnny. So I know it's my cue. Press, I'm still standing. Uh, and, and then when we go home and she says, Johnny, Johnny, I'm like, yeah, I understand. And so I put it and, and she's happy and she's dancing and stuff. And so I've heard this song <clears throat> like 500 times in the past week. You know, it's just one of those things. She, she, I, hopefully she moves on uh, to, to different things. But my whole point uh, uh, of today is, as I was as I was listening with my daughter this song one time in the car, I'm like, you know, this is a great confession. It's a it's a great confession you do to declare. I am still standing. That, that is kind of my testimony, but it's also your testimony. Now think about what the devil has tried to do. You know, the devil is not in the game to inconvenience you. You know, he's not at it just to make your life a tinge a bit harder. He's come to rob, you know, he's come to steal, and he's come to destroy. The fact that you're still standing is a testimony of the goodness of God. The, the, the fact that you are still here is a testimony testimony that the devil with all his might still can't get at you like the, the, and so it's a it's a testimony that sometimes we don't realize and we just take for granted but to be honest it's a confession that we should be making is like you know something life is not perfect I understand but in the words of Johnny the gorilla <laughs> I am still standing and today's title uh, for the message is I'm still standing. Oh, you connect the dots real quick. I, I like that. <laughs> and and what, do I, what I want to do tonight is I kind of just want to set, uh, you know, uh, the, the basis for what the rest of the week and the rest of the conference is going to be. And I, I was talking with Pastor Joel this afternoon and he's going to be coming tomorrow and he's super excited. I, I got to travel with him a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about this week and just the things that God has placed in his heart and, you know, uh, uh, reaching the next level is on his heart, you know, about what you have to do to reach the next level. And so yeah, I'm very excited for you for what's to come. And so hey, I, I told him, I am so happy I don't get to go after you uh, because that's just going to be hard. So he gets to go after me, which is going to be simple. So I'm just going to literally like, you know, in volleyball, you set it up for him to spike it tonight. I want to set it up for him. OK. And, and so and what what I mean by that is I want us to get in the state of believing for the impossible. Uh, I want us to get into a, a place where you just know that something amazing is going to happen. And this is not an emotional state. This is not just a fake it till we make it state. There, there's biblical precedent that I want to give tonight to, to make, to position each and every one of us to believe for more, to know that there is more that God has for us, that if you're young, God's got more. But guess what? If you're old, God still has more. I mean, there's people in the Bible with 80 years old still asking for a new mountain. I mean, if you're alive, it means God still has more. And God wants to do more through your life. And it's not just simple things. It's supernatural things. And so tonight, when you walk through those doors back home, I want you going charged up and knowing God has more for my life. And I'm going to believe again for more. I'm going to believe for what God has for me. Who's with me tonight? All right, cool. Because I've noticed that in life, I don't know if you've noticed this, but in life there's problems. 
I don't know, maybe, you, maybe you, you've been able to avoid most of them or all of them, but I haven't. I, I, you know, and, and what I've noticed is after every victory, there's usually another problem. And, you know, and it's just like it doesn't stop. And sometimes we think as long as I can go through this victory, you know, it's just going to be smooth sailing on the other side. And then the miracle happens. And then guess what happens next? There's another problem. I've noticed I've had to pay rent every month you know and so like you're fighting for rent this month and then you pay it and they're like yes and then next month's rent comes quick and so with this I've noticed that God in life wants to give you two things and there's two words that I I want you just to write down or memorize or just listen real quick but when Jesus came he he presented what the will of God was for our life and then after that Paul you know he kind of got the x-ray of of what God's design was for us and with this being said I, I can kind of like summarize it in two words God wants to give you simple but God also wants to give you victory and, and, and if you give me some time I'll kind of explain what I mean uh, you know sometimes when we go through problems and when we go through life uh, we feel that God really can't empathize with us because sometimes we think the problem that we're in is because of our fault and because it is our fault we kind of really don't know if God can empathize or sympathize with us and so we make the mistake of trying to correct and course correct by ourselves in order to come back and be good right with God so that we can finally do what God wants us to do and we have this thought that what God wants us to do he wants us to do it by ourselves and then this is why there's frustration in our life this is why we get frustrated and have anxiety is because we're trying to do things that God has called us to do without his help and you know Jesus said in John 16 he said he told his disciples listen I'm gonna go but I'm gonna go to the father I'm gonna send the counselor I'm gonna send the helper and there's a reason why he's called the helper is because we are going to need help so don't don't think that if you're gonna do stuff for God you're not gonna need help actually it's the opposite the more you do for God the more you walk out the plan and purpose that God has for your life the more help you are going to need from God so uh, let me let me set the biblical precedent here for you is it okay that we go into a lot of the word tonight there's a lot of the word Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 it says for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin so there's that word sympathy empathy that and that doesn't only you know feel bad for you but understands what you are going through but I, I, I've seen in a lot of people's lives that this is where they get stuck because they're like well you know God understands me and that's it and it's like yeah God gets you but he also wants to get you out uh, and this is where the victory comes in but but let's let's go uh, we don't want to get ahead of ourselves first Peter chapter 4 verse 1 first Peter chapter 4 verse 1 says since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so once again Christ understands Christ understands what, what, what it is to suffer in the flesh what it is to have you know uh, living in the body and then stuff just starts 
starts aching. Like I've noticed, you know, ever since I, I, I passed the 30 threshold, stuff hurts now just randomly and stuff cracks now. And I asked my dad and he's like, oh yeah, and it'll continue to crack. Like, it, you know, like stuff just, I, I wake up now and I'm like, oh, what just happened? Like this pillow attacked me because my neck hurts. And it's just something that's just normal to live in this body. And actually it appears in first Peter chapter four, it says that, you know, Christ understands this. He's, you know, he can sympathize with what you are going through. Isaiah 53 verse five, it says, but he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. So Jesus knows what it is to be wounded. Jesus knows what it is to be chastised. Jesus understands it. Some, and especially if you are in ministry or if you've been in church for a long time, you don't understand what it is to be wounded sometimes from people that are close to you. You know what it is to be chastised. It, it just so happens that this happens in life. And it's just, uh, you, we can't expect a perfect life, but you can expect a perfect God in the middle of an imperfect world. And that's what I wanted to get at tonight. Just this first part is, you know, God understands where you are at. God, God knows what you might be feeling, what you might be going through. But at the same time, this is not just where God wants you to be. He understands. He can sympathize with you. He can empathize. He, he has these feelings for you. But at the same time, let's continue because God just doesn't want to sympathize with you. He also wants to give you victory. He doesn't just get you and understand you he wants to get you out from wherever you are at he wants to position you into a place where your life becomes a testimony so luke chapter 4 verse 18 I'm just setting this up. It says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So what did Jesus say? So we know we know from what the word of God says in Hebrews that, you know, he he's not unable to sympathize. In other words, he is able to sympathize with you because he went through it as well he did all these things but at the same time Jesus said but this is not all I came to do I just didn't come to suffer to show you that hey you know it's okay to suffer or not I, I came to set the captives free I came to bring victory to whatever is oppressing you I came to bring victory to anything that might be attacking you right now now continue with me hopefully you don't fall asleep I know there's a lot of word but I need for us to understand where we are going first Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 13 says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. Everyone say that with me. God is faithful. It says he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So now we start to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. So it's not just that God understands, hey, you live in this world, you're going to have problems. But he also, he's, he's also saying in his word, but you know what? I'm also going to provide a way out. So whatever you are going through, God has a way out. And if you think it's impossible, that's okay. That's right up his alley because what's impossible for man is still possible for God. And so you start to, you start to understand, you know, that you, God can even deal with impossibilities that he just doesn't understand, you know, the situation you are in. You're like, yeah, you know, he's not up in heaven just saying, I got, I understand. Yeah, we, we cry up here for you too. And he's like, no, no, actually, if you are going through that, it means that there's also a way out of it. 
Psalms 34 verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Once again, uh, there, there's this other side of Christianity which might teach that, you know, if you are right with God, then you will never have problems. And, and that I can't really biblically affirm that that is correct uh, because the, the word of God does say that it actually we just read it. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. If you are living a righteous life, guess how many afflictions you might have? Many. That's what the word of God says. So I'm not saying don't live a righteous life. I'm just saying it's part of it because the, the devil doesn't want. We have a saying in Colombia that says the tree that gets the most rocks thrown at it is the tree with the most fruit because you want to get the fruit from those trees. In the same way, you know, a, a Christian that has a lot of fruit. Listen, the devil's going to throw all he has against you. But then the word of God says, but the Lord will deliver you out of them all. So there is victory that is promised in your life. There is deliverance that is promised in your life out of not just some, out of not just the big ones, out of them all. Now, why then do we get used to certain problems? You hear it all the time, you know, like I've heard people in Colombia. In Colombia, we have this thing. So in our city, there's 10 million people in like a 60, 70 mile radius. And so what happens sometimes is if one person gets sick, then like 3 million people will get sick because we're all just there together. But Colombians have this problem where we start to say, hey, you know, it's flu season. And so does that happen here? I don't know if that happens here or not, but it, it just so happens that in Colombia we have these sickness seasons and then people just take it for granted. It's like, oh, it's flu season. You, yeah, you're going to get sick. Just, you know, welcome to Colombia. Have some coffee. And, <laughs> but why should we, why should we accept that? Well, why, why should we just say, oh, really? You know, how do you know? Well, I saw it on the news. And so, you know, I, I pledged allegiance to the news. It's like, are you kidding me? Though the word of God says, yes, many are the afflictions of the righteous. But guess what? There is deliverance for them all. So if you decide to believe, you can be delivered from them all. I don't care if 99% of the population is going through the flu season. Guess where the 1% is at right now? Right here. And we're going to believe that whatever is coming against everyone in the world is not going to touch my doorstep because there is deliverance that has been promised. There is a way out. Amen. Ephesians 6.13 says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand like Johnny the gorilla would say, to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to what? To stand. That after everything has happened in your life and the devil has, you know, brought the storm and whatever it is and you're going through it. But at the end, this is still your testimony. I'm still standing that you stand up to the devil. and You say, devil, you know, that was pretty rough. You know, that was that was pretty intense. But guess what? I'm still standing that after everything you've ever tried, no matter what the weapon was that was formed, it did not prosper in my life because there is deliverance that has been promised in my life. And guess what, Satan? I'm still standing. 
you got to take authority over these things. And you got to believe it too. Sometimes when, when I talk about, you know, Satan in this way, some people are like, careful, you know, don't say that too loud. He might hear you. I wish he did. I wish he did. Because he is under your feet. And you, that's what the word of God says. So you got to act that way. You know, so, someone, my mom taught, my mom taught me uh, how, how to deal with the devil. And my mom is a no-nonsense type of lady. She's like five foot five and, I, and five foot four. And the reason she is is because if she were any taller, she'd be like governing the whole world. Like, that's just who she is. And, and she takes authority quick. And one day we were in the Amazon and I, I took a group. I was a youth pastor back then. So I took a group uh, down there and we're going to minister in the Amazon jungle. And my mom came with me. And uh, well, we're there, we're singing, and we're at this little church, everything. And the pastor comes up to me, and he's like, John, uh, you know, there's this family that brought their, their child, and their child is demon-possessed. Can you, can you, you know, solve that? So I looked at him, like, I had never done that in my life, but I feel like I, I kind of knew, I kind of understand what to do. So I'm like, yeah, sure, so let's go. So I brought some of the kids with me, and we're like, hey, we're going to go cast out a demon. Never done this before, but ah, it should be easy. Uh, so... <laughs> So we go, and this kid is lying down, and I really don't know what to do, so I'm like, all right, so go, you know, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> I really didn't know. I'm, I'm like 20 at this time, and so I'm like, you know, go, and so I don't know, so I'm starting to pray in tongues, and then all of a sudden, the, the, the girl, or the demon in the girl starts to like to manifest, and she starts to writhe, and she starts to scream, so I'm starting to get a little bit of anxiety, because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, what if she like stands up, so I'm like, go now, and I'm, I'm praying in tongues, but I really don't want to get close, because what if she bites me, right, and so... <laughs> So I'm like at a distance because I'm like, there's no distance in prayer. And so I'm like, you go for it. <laughs> this is no joke. This is and, and, and all the other kids are starting to kind of like get fearful because I'm stepping back. And so they're like, wait, the leader is stepping back. I'm going to step back, too. Like, what's happening? And she starts like going ballistic. And then all of a sudden I feel a pain in my back. And so I'm like, oh, at first I thought like the demon was pinching me. And then I turn around and it was my mom. She's like. <laughs> get out the way and grabs the girl says in the name of jesus go and like that i'm like whoa praise god my mom was here she wasn't here i don't know what would have happened. that girl would have listen i've read the bible that there was like these five guys that were trying to cast out the devil and then the devil actually like beat them up so i'm like it would be the worst testimony of my life if I'm like, where do you lose all your clothes? Well, there was this six-year-old girl, demon-possessed girl. <laughs> Listen, this is no, like, this is, this is ministry. So anyway, so I kind of feel bad at that moment. So I go talk with my mom. I was like, mom, you know, I'm supposed to be the leader. You know, you kind of like made me, you made me look bad. And she just looks at me as like, John David, you weren't doing anything. Now, you just have to tell the devil what he has to do. He's under your feet. Take authority. You're not trying to have a conversation. You're just telling him what he has to do. The greater is he that is in you, John. I'm like, I know. You just didn't give me time. <laughs> like, just, uh, this is my first time, Mom. Like, everyone is listening. So the, so the next day, listen, So because we were there for a week. So the next day, we're at this other church. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. 
I'm ready. And, and so we're praising God. I'm about to preach. And, and then the pastor comes up. It's like, John Davis, you know, people heard what happened yesterday. So that some this other couple brought their kid, also demon-possessed. I'm like, what are they feeding children here? <laughs> you know, you guys got, is, is it in the water? So, so I'm ready. So I'm ready. I'm not going to let my mom, you know, overshadow this. So I bring some kids. I'm like, all right, let's go. Like this time we're going to do it. So we're going back there and I hear this kid is like, hey, can I pray real quick? I'm like, yeah. So I was like, Father God, we just thank you. You know, you've given us authority. I, I thank you because, you know, we have authority over the devil. And if for some reason it doesn't work, we thank you for John's mom <laughs> is here. And so I look at it. I'm like, stop praying right now. Like that's not helping me. Anyway, we, we, cast, we cast it out. But the, the, the whole point of this story is you have to take authority and not just grow accustomed to having what the devil has thrown at you as like an ornament of your life. Where people are like, well, you know, I just this is what I have. I live with the sniffles or I just live with it. Why live with it when God has prepared a way out of it? So when I say, are you ready to believe for the impossible is, are you ready to believe for the life that God has prepared for you, has paid for you, has paved the way for where, it, where in reality, it's, a, it's what people will question later on. How do you live the life that you live? It's like, well, first I started taking authority over the devil. I started believing what God says. And yes, God has sympathy for me, but God has also given me victory. The cross is the proof that I have victory over anything the devil has brought against me. And even if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. And eventually, you know, there is no valley that's eternal. So at some point, there is a way out of this. And I'm believing for a way out of this. And by the time I'm on the other side, it's going to be better. That the devil is going to hate the day he attacked me. Because when I went through the pressing, when I went through the problem, and I got on the other side, now there's more weight to my testimony. Because see, the, it, sometimes we ask the wrong question when we're going through problems. And, and the question is that we usually ask God is why? Why did this happen? You know, why did this happen? And I'm sure everyone here has asked that question before. You know, why does bad things happen to good people? And, and when you're going through these problems, you're, you're asking God, God, why did you let this happen? Why? And I believe that's the wrong question to ask. That we shouldn't just be asking why. And it's fine. You know, uh, the, the, I, I wrote down there's different people that ask. Job, the, uh, the, the, the psalmist, David, Jeremiah, even Jesus asked why. You know, they ask, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? Why? 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 But the question interesting part about it is God never answered the why questions but the question that he did answer is what do I need to do and I believe that is the question that we should ask when we are going through problems it's not why does this happen it's like all right since this is happening God what would you want me to do right now should I enter in you want me to enter in I'm ready should I declare? Should I believe? What, what, what? Not why, but what do I need to do? Hebrews 4, 15 and 16, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. And then verse 16 says, let us therefore, this is the answer to the what? So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace for what? to help in the time of need. 
So I believe a lot of us get stuck when we're in problems because we're asking the wrong questions. So we're, we're not getting God results because we're not asking God the correct question. And the, the incorrect question is, God, why does this happen? The correct question is, God, what would you have me do right now? And the word of God answers that question. It says, there, if, you need, if you're in a time of need, you're going to need mercy and you're going to need grace to not only get out of it, but to also go through it. Because a lot of us think that our testimony is how we got out of stuff. But a true testimony is how you went through stuff and got to the other side without smelling like your problem. What do I mean by that? There's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have you heard of those, you know, the three Hebrew children? And you know, we praise God because the fourth man in the fire, you know, was Jesus and he was with them. But that, that's the cool thing about the testimony. You know, God didn't come in and quench the fire. Never in that story was the fire quenched. The true testimony is that the fire was heated up seven times and yet it didn't burn them. That is a testimony that what burns anyone else doesn't burn you because of who you're with. You know, that that's not just that you don't have problems. Oh, you got the same problems as everyone else. You're paying the same gas price as everyone else. But for some reason, it doesn't burn you like it does burn the rest of the people. It doesn't burn your checkbook. It doesn't burn your finances. Why? Because there's a fourth man with you in the middle of it. It's the same thing with Daniel. You know, the, the testimony of Daniel wasn't that God came and turned the lions into kittens. The problem actually didn't change. The testimony is, is that the problem never affected Daniel. And why is this? Because if our testimony was that we never have problems, people couldn't, we couldn't empathize with people and people couldn't connect with us at all. Because they're like, well, obviously you're good because you never have problems. But when the testimony is, oh no, I've slept with lions too. They just don't eat me. Well, when the testimony is, oh, I've been through the fire, I just don't get burned. Well, when the testimony is, oh, I know what it is to go through a recession, but in the recession, I'm blessed because I have God. So it really doesn't matter if I'm going through a recession or not because I, I, I'm with him. I, I was in Cuba a couple of years ago, and Cuba's an interesting place because if you've ever dreamed about time travel, go to Cuba. Uh, seriously, because in Cuba, I forget when the revolution was exactly, but the revolution was like 1963. And literally, that's when it all stopped in that island. The, the, the most modern buildings in Cuba were built in 1963. The cars are like 1963 or older. So when you go in there, it's just, you. and I was there for a while, so I got used to everything just being old. And it's, you know, pretty people and pretty beaches and just the whole thing but it's just old and there's you know the economy hasn't moved and anyway so I'm there and I, I, I preach at this church and I walk out and then all of a sudden I see this Mercedes Benz I'll never forget that Mercedes Benz kind of like a dark blue new Mercedes Benz go well I see it I'm like shocked because I'm used to cars being 1963 so my question was like, okay, well, so who's got that car? Like who, who, who allowed someone to bring in a modern, new, dark blue Mercedes Benz? So, I'm, so I asked the pastors like, who's the owner of that car? I'd love to meet that guy. And he, he looked, I was like, woo. I was like, there's a blue Mercedes Benz. I saw, I promise. And he was like, oh yeah. Well, so, see, that's the ambassador of, uh, of Russia. 
I'm like, what do you mean that's the ambassador of Russia? Well, you know, the ambassador of Russia gets to do whatever he wants. Uh, I'm like, why? Well, it's because he doesn't depend about, on our economy. He depends on the Russian economy. So I'm like, oh, that's like you're preaching to me right now. Because the word of God says that you and me are ambassadors. So to, to the ambassador, he really doesn't care how much the dollar costs, how much, you know, the inflation in Cuba is. I mean, he could care less. What he cares is how his country is doing. And in the same way, when you and me are ambassadors of Christ, we really don't care what the economy here is doing as much as we care how his economy is doing because he will supply our riches according to his, our needs according to his riches in glory. And last time I checked, he paves his roads with gold and the doors have pearls on them. Like he's got enough. He, he's good with this. So when you learn these things, when you know him more, when you position yourself in a moment of faith, then you're not scared of the problem and then you're believing for the solution and you're believing for the way out how many are thankful that God has prepared a way out and no matter what you are going through but even through this you know Romans 8 28 says and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose so that th there is something about going through stuff that really doesn't just take a toll on you, but it transforms your testimony. And, and sometimes, you know, we've been taught that to have this reflex of when we're going through problems, trying to find a way out instead of trying to stay standing through it, knowing that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that there is a solution, knowing that no matter what the devil brings against your life, that he doesn't stand the chance to the power of God. And instead of having this jerk reflex of trying to avoid it, I confront it and I beat it and then I get better because of it. See, what, I, what do I mean? So Jesus, he's in, in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's praying this out. Because he's going to go through a lot of, you know, pressure. And there's so much pressure that, you know, he's bleeding. And, and, and this whole moment, he's asking God. And he's like, listen, if, if we could change plans, can we change plans? You know, remove this cup from me. But then he says, you know, something glorious. He says, you know, but, you know, no, no, let's not do my will. Let's just do your will. In other words, if, if this is the process I'm going to go through, this is the process. And what's the process? It's the process of pressing. And sometimes we avoid the, the process of being pressed. And the word of God says that, you know, we are pressed, but we're not crushed. Like it's, it's a biblical principle that we should live out. Instead of trying to avoid being pressed, we, we just have to confront it and get better because of it. So I, I went to Israel. We've been to Israel a couple of times. We, we've taken pastors from Colombia. We've taken over 300 pastors to Israel. And we, we, my dad actually has this goal. And so both of us have been working, you know, taking as many pastors of Colombia to Israel. So it's been cool to to take him and to see everything but I remember we were in like what's supposed to be the Garden of Gethsemane and and our guide is teaching us he says you know something you people don't understand but there's a lot of symbolism about this garden because it's it, there's olive trees I don't know if you've been to Israel or not but there, there's these huge olives and he said what's interesting about Jesus being pressed in this area when there are olives is the metaphor that comes out of it that when an olive is pressed three different 
different oils come from it. There's an oil that you put as like a dressing, you know, for salad. Uh, there is also an oil that is used for ointment. And then there's this oil that is used to light up a lantern. He said, and in the same way, when Jesus was pressed, you know, he, he, he became our healing. He became our provision and he became our direction. That it is because he is pressed that we can now declare that we have healing. It's not because he avoided it. It's because he went through it. So Jesus became our provision, our healing and our way because of his death, burial and resurrection. So it's because he went through it, not because he avoided it. And I've started to notice, you know, the testimonies I've talked about, what my parents have gone through, what we've gone through. You know, it's not the the testimony is not and how we avoided these things is how we went through them and got stronger on the other side. So I, I, I want to challenge you because I'm believing for great things for this place. But if we want bigger things, then we got to have stronger people. And in order to be stronger, you're going to have to go through some stuff. And I'm not saying you're asking for it. I'm just saying you live in this world. It's going to happen. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have problems. So, so you don't even have to believe for it. What I am saying is that when it does happen, how will you confront it? And hopefully it will be standing. Hopefully it will be in faith. Hopefully it will be with the hopeful expectation that this, that what the devil meant for evil, God is turning it around for my good. See, the word of God says, consider it all joy. James 1 verses 2 to 4. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete complete lacking in nothing you know when you've been through the fire you're not scared of it anymore when, when, when you and, and you know you've been through problems so the next time it's we joke around with my wife uh, we've been through some debt a couple of times and God has miraculously every time uh, done stuff but just like this morning we've also had to get wise you know and we, we've had to cut some cards up you know and and kind of like change our stewardship principles and get wiser about money but we've gotten out of debt and when we went through 2020 we were in deep debt and, and God did a couple of miracles and text messages and, and job promotions I started working for Amazon and you know this whole thing just added up it was amazing so I was talking about this testimony once and a pastor called me in Colombia and he told me John David we've heard about your testimony about you know getting out of debt could you come and teach us you know how did you do it so I told him pastor yes I would love to just so you know though you know we've gotten good at it and we've gotten out of debt six times And so, like, it took him a minute. I'm like, yes, we are still working on not just getting out of debt, but staying out of debt. So he laughed and he didn't invite me. Uh, uh, true story. But the joke that we have with my wife is not that, and, and, and I, you know, you're getting to know me, so you know I joke around a lot. And it's not like we're getting into debt, but we're not scared of debt anymore. We're really not because we've seen God work it through. And so we're, we're not, you know, being scared of, oh, my gosh, money. Man, money for God is easy. 
It's your heart that he wants. It's character that he wants to build. You know, it's just, it's, it's so, so those things, it, it changes you when you've been through stuff. I remember we, we would cry in the car and we would ask God, literally our prayer was, God, we are tired of being poor. Have you ever prayed that? Where you're like, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of my friends inviting me to things I can't afford. I'm tired of, you know, having to battle every month. And, and it's just, I, I need peace. And we're going through this problem. And then, and then, so we're called to missions. And then they closed down the nations in 2020. So how do you do missions through COVID? And so, and then I have to go to this warehouse and work and there's nothing wrong with this warehouse. But listen, I, I was born and raised in the ministry. Like these hands were meant for microphones, not boxes, right? <laughs> I told, I told pastor, I'm pretty soft, man. Like I really am. And so I would cry. It's 14 hour days in Amazon. And there was like these kits. It was, it was in Dallas, Texas. We had to go into these trucks. It's like 110 degrees in these trucks. So they had these. I called them the resurrection kids because they would tell us, you know, if someone faints because of heat stroke, you get these. I'm like, what do you mean there's heat stroke? Like, why can't you put air conditioning? Like, father, why are you doing this to me? And I would go back home and Carolina would have this bowl, no joke, with this bowl filled with ice for my hands. And I would put my hands in. I'd cry. I was like, this is so hard, baby. Like, I wish I wish God would just, you know, reveal himself and move us out of this. And, and I truly thought that if I just stayed at it for a couple of weeks, God would do his thing, write the check, get me out. And eight months later, I was still at it. But what was crazy, though, is that through that process, instead of me just trying to avoid it, I started to confront it until I owned it, until it wasn't a problem anymore. Because sometimes there are some problems that the way out of them is maturing and growing. You know, when I was a kid, uh, my, my, uh, my brother, you know, he couldn't swim at the time. So he was scared of water. You know, he could have he stood by the pool and said, Father, remove everything that might drown me in this pool. And God could have taken the water out. It would have been a terrible summer. Or, or he just matures, learns how to swim. And then what used to be a problem is not a problem anymore. So that's not a removal of problems. That's just becoming fireproof. Are we here? So with this, there is a faith that is involved where there's just an attitude in you where you're like, I'm not going to avoid this anymore. I'm going to beat this. To the point where it's not even a problem anymore. And what drowns other people is not going to drown me because I know him. I know a God to be faithful. I know him to make me fireproof. I know him to make me lion proof. I, I, I know that he is able. So I'm not going to avoid this. I'm, I'm going to confront this. And when we started doing this, Carolina and I, we, we started standing up every morning. We started confessing the word. And it's like God is going to move in the nations with us in Amazon. It doesn't matter. God is God's going to do it. So what started to happen is we started getting text messages from people back home in Colombia. Colombia had the second longest quarantine in the world. Uh, so it took years. So for us, it was like a couple of months here in the States. But there it was like a year and a half. It was terrible. So with that, there was people that couldn't leave their house. House, and so they were running out of food. 
So they were putting red shirts out uh, the windows to let people know that they had no more food. So that, you know, the people that could go out, it's a longer story, there's, it's more complicated, but there's some people based on your, you know, your social security number, you could go out like once a week and stuff like that uh, to go buy food, but if they couldn't work because they couldn't leave, so they didn't have money to go out, so the day that they could go out, they couldn't do anything. You know, it's just one of those things that just starts stacking. So we started getting text messages. So, so we started a thing with Carolina. And we're like, all right, you know, from Amazon, from the 14-hour days, you know, hands in the ice. But we're going to start believing for missions again. And we did. And so then in the first month, we raised enough money to bless 250 families uh, in Colombia. So we're great. But God put it in our hearts. No, I can do more. I'm like, really? Yeah, I can do more. I'm like, okay, we're going to believe. And so I'm putting boxes and we have the mask on and we couldn't talk with anyone. So what we did, we started praying in tongues. I'm like, I told the devil, you're going to hate the day you hid my mouth because it made me pray for 14 hours every day. Say, like, I can't talk with people. I'm going to talk with God. This is on like the devil. This is on you. And I did. And for months praying out, praying out, praying out until God finally deposited just this vision of this, it was this number that he gave me. So I, I told Carolina, I don't know why, but this number is going to come in and we're going to get to bless more families. And so, so we started praying it out and we started. So every time I'd come back home, I'd ask her, is it in yet? Did the check come in? Like, no. And it became just this thing for one month. Every day I'd come back. Is it in? No, but it's coming. Yes, it is. Yeah. Ow. And then putting my hands again, <laughs> you know, and going at it all the time. I kid you not. We got a phone call. And this multinational company called us and it's like, hey, you know, is this John Rama? Is this I am helping? Whatever. I'm like, yes, yes. Hey, and we're talking. And it's like we have this problem. We have an excess of money that we need to remove before tax season. Can you help us with it? So I'm like, okay, let me pray real quick. And then let me just pray. Amen. Yes, we can. <laughs> Quickest prayer of my life. So I asked him, you know, so, you know randomly, you know, so, so how much is this? And they gave us the number. It was the exact number. So I, I don't like throwing out numbers. I feel it's tacky. But we got to bless 5,500 families because of it. We were able to do And at that point, I love working at Amazon. I'm like, this is working. I don't have to go and we get to send. Perfect. But what, I, what I'm talking about, and this is not just me, this is not just, you know, oh, look what God has done in my life. No, no, but what, what I've noticed is that it, testimonies also become prophecies. That hindsight, you know, helps you with your foresight that what God has done, you know, he doesn't change. So it allows you to believe for what he wants to do in your life. That, you know, what, what, you have, what you have victory from, you have authority in. That now I know. So now I'm not scared of death. And now I'm not scared of hard times because I've seen God move among hard times. I know him to be faithful. And so what, what has happened is in the pressing, there has been a weight of glory that has happened. And it's actually what the word of God says, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Instead of running away from the light momentary affliction, I start getting excited about it because I know that it's created
creating a, a more eternal weight of glory. That, my, that my, my testimony, my words have more weight to them. I've got more authority over them. Like it, It's not just something that I happen to say and repeat from someone else. It's something I've been through that when I walk on the other side, now there's this weight of glory in my life where I take authority over what the devil is trying to do and he hates the day he ever came at me right so i believe it's not just for me though i believe it's for you i i believe instead of avoiding it we're going to confront it and we're going to have victory and we're going to declare victory over whatever it is you are going through today because by the end of it all there's going to be a weight of glory that's going to be deposited in your testimony it's more weight to it See, the word of God says that, you know, we are the branches and he is the vine and that we are supposed to give fruit. And with that, it's interesting because the fruit that he's talking about is grapes. And when grapes are pressed, what comes out of them influences people. Like when people drink pressed juice, it starts to, maybe in a negative way, but it causes influence. In the same way, when your testimony and when your gifts are pressed, it causes a more weightiness to your life. Where it's not just where your testimony is, well, nothing, never, nothing bad has ever happened in my life. And I actually just got a, a, you know, a huge deposit in my bank account. And people are like, well, great for you, right? But for the rest of us that go through stuff, I want to I want to push you a little bit tonight to confront it, to not be afraid of it. Take, you know, take the devil by the horns and then put him in his place. And then out of it, you don't only get a testimony. It's not just so you can talk about it, but it is something that people will start to see in your life. Where it's easy. I've, I've always dealt with this with God. I'm like, God, you know, you've, you've called us to the nations. You've called us to preach. You've called us to do all these things. But sometimes it's hard, you know, trying to convince a person. And, you know, I've, got, I've, I've gotten into debates and you, you go into colleges and you're debating these people. And you, I've, I've won debates and they still don't want to receive. But then I've noticed, but through my life and through my testimony and through what God has done and supernatural things is stuff that is undebatable. That then they start to realize, oh no, God is so much bigger than the debate. And then people start to come. I remember in, in college, when I went through college, there was kids that hated me for being the Christian dude. And God put it in my heart to pray for them. And it took 10 years. Recently, I got a text from a girl that I went to college with, and she sent me a picture of my dad's church. And I'm like, why are you even there? That's what my text was. Like, you're not, you're not one of those people. Like, I, I know what you did in college. Like, you know, like, I know your testimony. She was like, listen, like, it's crazy. I never thought I'd be here, but I am now. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I received Christ. And I'm like, okay, do you pray in tongues? I'm going to want to check. Uh, she's like, I pray in tongues. It was just a miracle. And I asked her why. And she said, well, I, I remembered stuff that you did. I remember stuff that you said. And then I met other people and I saw what they did and saw what they went through. And then she said the testimony of her mom and how she went through sickness and then God healed her. And then she said, I just couldn't deny it anymore. How many believe God can do the same in your life? Where the power of God in your life is undeniable. 
where what you are doing for him is just so powerful. What God is doing through you is just so powerful that you don't even have to debate people. All they have to do is see you. They're like, man, it's so powerful. It's undeniable. Hopefully this is like, this is moving you to believe Hopefully this is moving you to say, God, I want you. I'm not going to try to avoid. I'm, I'm going to believe you through it. Because when we're pressed, influence comes out. But I want to highlight a couple of things. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 says, For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. So one thing here, and I'm going to ask the band to come up. I want us to finish in worship tonight and give just a little time for the spirit to move. And by little time, it might be a lot of time. I don't know. I just got to give him time, right? And so as the band comes up, the word of God says, for this light momentary affliction. So afflictions are meant to be light and momentary. And so don't get used to or don't live in a state that was never meant to be permanent. Because a lot of people are like, battling through this for years and listen take authority over it now so this is the other side of it like go through it but this is supposed to be light and momentary affliction it's not supposed to be permanent and so you sometimes what we have to do is we have to take authority over it when you take authority over it the word of god says you know it, it will come to pass because he's more powerful greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world i, I, I preached at this youth conference in, in a city called cartagena it was amazing. There was thousands of kids there. Uh, it was a, a door of opportunity that God had opened. I, I took my mom and my brothers with me. It, the, the word of God was uh, like just, it, you know, we, we communicated the word of God and the power of God moved. Kids got saved, healed. So out of this, I'm super excited. So I have to leave, go back, to, go back home. So we get on this plane. I'm just so pumped up that my brothers come in, my mom comes in. I'm pumped up. So I walk into this plane and I say, you're welcome. I scream it out. So my brothers look at me. I'm like, why are you so weird? You know, why are you like this, John? And so I'm just excited. I'm like, well, because, because we're on this plane. The word of God says angels camp around us. This is the safest plane there is on the air right now. So my brothers were like, okay, but can you just not be weird about it? And so cool, I have, I have this kind of gift is I can fall asleep quickly. Like I don't, I don't even wait for the plane to take off. I'm already asleep. And I, listen, we were talking about it today. I can drink a Red Bull and then fall asleep the second I finish the Red Bull. Like, this is just something. And so I say, you're welcome. I'm like messing with my brothers. They're smaller than me and everything. And then I fall asleep. I'm like, this is the safest plane there is. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I wake up to the screams of people in the plane. So I wake up and you know how like the first five seconds, everything's on mute. So like I'm seeing people and seeing people like, you know, like very stressed. And then I see my mom, she's sitting on the other side and she's doing this. So I'm like, what just happened? And then I feel it. And what, what had happened, we found out later is when one of like the turbines had like turned off, there was like some problem, mechanical problem. So the, 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 the motor was off. And so we were going down. So I look and then I look at my brothers and my brothers are like this. Like they don't know what to do. And then I hear my mom 
I hear my mom and she's like, devil, you are a liar. She's saying this in Spanish, diablo mentiroso. And then she says, in the name, we have authority over you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. And we take authority now and I declare, I command that this airplane turn on again. And she's like screaming at the top of her lungs. And all of a sudden, again. And there was this like collective sigh of relief in the whole plane. And you know how you get nervous? Something like that. Everyone started laughing like nervously. They're like, oh my gosh, we almost died. <laughs> and it was just like, oh. And then one second later, everyone turns to my mom. And she stands up and she's like, well, yeah. It's supposed to happen. We have authority over Satan. If I say that this airplane turns on again, it must turn on. And if I say it turns off again, it will turn off. Everyone's like, no, don't say anything. And the miracle that we, we, we saw, we witnessed that day, wasn't that my mom has the ability to turn on and off planes. The true miracle was that for the next hour, people were going back to my mom to receive Christ on the plane. She wasn't, she didn't make an altar call. She didn't like, and y'all, y'all better get saved. No, so all she did was like, hey, we have authority in Christ. You want to know him? Come talk to me. And people, the steward, I remember the, the flight steward was the first person to go. The people beside her were like, man, we just felt the power of God when you were praying. We need to know him. See, we, we, we need to confront these things that we're going through, but then declare that we are getting stronger on the other side. But we, we need to confront what we're going through with authority, but knowing God, like we talked about this morning, it's very hard to believe in someone you don't know. That's a, the problem with a lot of people. Is you don't know who God is, so you don't know what to believe for. And the Word of God says, you know, if faithful is Him that promised, but if you don't know who promised or what was promised, it's going to be hard to live by faith. But when you spend time in His presence, when you spend time in His Word, when you get to know Him more intimately, when His voice becomes real in your life, because He lives in you, He abides in you, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives in you. Like there's no one closer to you than Him. But you got to spend time with Him. And then when you're going through problems, then you're going with joy. This is why we can have joy in the midst of problems. Because what the devil meant for evil, God's turning it around for something better and just good in my life. This is gonna be my testimony. So I'm not complaining about the problem. I'm thanking God for his power in the middle of the problem. I'm thanking God for his protection in the middle of the circumstance. I'm thanking him because he has never left me. He has never forsaken me. He's always been here. He's always on time. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I thank God for his word that brings freedom. I know the truth and the truth says Sets me free he doesn't leave me he doesn't forsake me I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus I will see the victory of Christ in my life the resurrection power is in me and I will defeat this problem in the name of Jesus and by the time this is all over I will be better because of it I will be stronger because of it there is a weight of glory in my life my people can see it and then it's easy to preach. Because you just preach from the reality of who God is in your life. 
You're not trying to convince someone about a person you don't know. You're just trying to talk to someone about someone you know who is close. So don't live in a state that was never meant to be permanent. And to finish, Exodus 14 has this great story. I'm sure you, you've either heard about it, read about it, or seen the movie of Israel crossing the Red Sea. There's a lot to it, Moses. And one of the things, you know, people think Moses hit the water and it parted. But it, honestly, he, he, he waved the stick and then he fell asleep. And then it says that wind throughout the night blew. And then it blew. And then one word that I want to highlight for you tonight is it says that the ground was dry. It was pretty interesting to me. So I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, you know, I, I believe that there is no word that is in the Bible that was just placed there just because. I believe God has a purpose when he's writing and he's, he chooses his words correctly. So I asked him, why, why was the ground dry? Because, you know, there was a whole bunch of water on top of it. Probably muddy, at least. I mean, it's already a miracle that the water is parted. But why was the ground dry? The Holy Spirit told it to me this way. And so I wrote it down. It's because what you've been through will not remain on you. What you're going through shouldn't remain on you. And he reminded me when, when I go out for a run, when I go back, you know, sometimes my shoes are muddy. And my wife gets gets on my case because she's like, you know, you should wipe your shoes before you walk in because there's mud on them. Like I've, And she knows where I've been because of what's on me. I feel sometimes a lot of us, when we're going through problems, we're scared, you know, because this is going to become our testimony. We're, we're, we're that person, you know, and we believe that, you know, these scars are just going to follow us the rest of our life. And scars are testimonies. Jesus has scars. I understand that. But at the same time, what, what, what the devil has meant for evil, it's not even going to remain on you. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out, God was specific to say that not only were they not burned, but they didn't even smell like smoke like you couldn't even notice what they had been through imagine what it would be like for you to come out the other side of what you're going through right now and there's no trace of it there's no even like there's no smell of it it's not on you because what you are going through is still dry ground because that's the beginning of the miracle the miracle is not on the other side the miracle is on throughout and on the other side and what is the miracle? That God is with you. And I came to declare to you tonight that what you have been through will not remain on you. And what you are going through right now will not remain on you. This is not your, the problem is not your testimony. God is your testimony. But you have to be reminded of who you're with. Be reminded and be comforted in the fact that God will never leave you or forsake you. Lord God says that he holds you with his powerful right hand and has never let you go. We, we were walking out, uh, my family and I, when we were kids, we were walking out of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, first Kentucky Fried Chicken that they put in Columbia. So we obviously had to go. Uh, and so well, we're, we're coming out and I'm walking alone by my parents. Uh, my little brother, Sammy, he's with uh, one of the elders of the church. My mom's walking out and she sees me she sees Sammy, but she doesn't see her middle child. So my mom has two levels, normal, and then the world is about to end. And, and so she's like, she asks, hey, have you seen Danny? Hey, has anyone seen Danny? And then level two, where is my son? 
where is my son? My son, where are you? She starts screaming at the top of her lungs, where is Danny? And then one of the leaders of the church turns to my mom and says, Albita, that's my mom's name, Alba, uh, he's in your hand. And Danny was holding, he's like, oh my gosh, where am I? Where am I? Like his eyes were like, oh my goodness. I believe a lot of us Christians are like that sometimes. We're like, God, where are you? Oh my gosh, God, why have you forsaken me? And God's like, I, I, I got you. I've never left. I will never leave you. I will never forsake. I'm right here in the middle of the problem. The fire is going up. It's seven times hotter and I'm still here. I have promised that I will hold you with my powerful hand. And because of that, you don't have to be afraid. Because of that, you don't have to be in fear of what might happen or what is happening. Because He's with you. God's victory is for you. How many are thankful for a God of victory that never leaves us and never forsakes us? Come on. Why not give Him thanks tonight for His faithfulness? Why not give Him thanks tonight because He's worthy of all our praise? Because he, he, just of that fact. Now, sometimes we forget who we're with. It's why King David, while he was writing, he said, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. It's also why he said that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Notice he's not praising that there are no more enemies. He's praising because God is still able to bless him in the presence of his enemies. See, we forget this sometimes. So I, I, I told Pastor Brian, one of the things I'm working on is I don't want to be pushy just to get to a point of exaltation and thus forget the moment and forget the premise. Is that when you do walk out of here and when there is no more beautiful piano praying, right? When, there, when you're not in a comfortable pew anymore and you're going through a problem. And I've noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Mondays come after Sundays. Uh, I know that sounds very deep, but the point is we come out of these moments we're like elated. We're like, yes, we're gonna destroy any giant. And then all it takes is the alarm on a Monday. And then you're back at it. Oh God, why, you know. And so can I propose just one thing? Before we praise him and before we enter in and see what the Holy Spirit has in store as we close, Okay, I propose that when you wake up tomorrow, you wake up with a different demeanor. You wake up with a different perspective. And you say, this week is going to be different. And you declare, this week will be different. This is a light and momentary affliction. But we are coming out of this stronger. The devil is going to hate. This is a part of my confession. Anytime we're going through a problem, I'm like, okay, the devil's going to hate the day. He made my daughter sick. The, the devil's gonna hate the day he brought this attack on our life. And I make sure he hates the day. And whenever we do go on the other side, I, I'm petty enough to remind him. And I'm like, devil, remember when you attacked my daughter? Well, now that we are praying for thousands of people to get healed in Ethiopia, this is because of you. Because we will see the victory of Christ through everything. Because whatever God does, he does it completely. And he wants to do it in your life as well. Why not stand up tonight? I'm going to ask you to stand up. First Peter 5.10 says, And after you have suffered a little while, just a little while, well, make sure it's a little while. 
Just like we read before, a light and momentary affliction. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Notice what he does. He makes it personal. He doesn't say he'll send an angel. He doesn't know. He says, no, no, no. When it comes to you suffering for a little while, God himself makes this personal. Just like when I get mad when someone messes with my daughter, it's the same way God says, hey, when you go through suffering a little while, guess what I'm going to do? I myself am going to confirm, restore, strengthen, and establish you. And I believe that for tonight. Now, I understand we've been through stuff, and I don't want to glorify what we're going through. I want to glorify Him in the middle of it all. And understand, and if you want just to leave it, leave it up there for a little while, the, the, the Bible verse, and understand that because you've gone through problems, God has made this personal now. And now God is the one who wants to restore you. And now God is the one who wants to confirm. Now God is the one who wants to strengthen you. And God is the one that wants to establish you. So just because you are going through a little bit of suffering, now God has made it personal. And the great thing about our God is that what he says must come to pass. How do I know that when he said, let there be light, there was no sun. And yet there still had to be light because God said, let there be light. God never said let there be electrons neutrons and protons and let there be friction and let there be light he just re he just released the outcome he said let there be light and everything that was necessary for there to be light was created because God said there had to be light so in the same way when God says I am going to confirm I'm going to establish I am going to restore and I am going to strengthen you whatever has to happen for you to be strengthened must happen tonight whatever needs to happen for you to be restored must happen tonight we sometimes make the mistake of thinking how instead of thanking him because he's gonna do it so God, if you said you will restore us and I confirm us and I strengthen and establish us, then all we get to do is thank him tonight. Because now it's personal and now it's up to him. And God has never failed. Because all he has, he's so powerful, all he has to do is say it. And he's saying it tonight, once again. That out of this moment, you're going to be strengthened. Out of this night, you're going to be established. Out of this night, there's going to be restoration. And don't freak out when it does happen. Don't freak out when the testimony happens. I do that sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, I never doubted. You know how you get, right? You're like, I've always been walking in faith and stuff. Instead of freaking out, just thank him tonight. Why not raise your hands wherever you are at right now in this moment? Just take the time to thank him. Thank him for who he's been for who he is right now he's never left you he's never forsaken you and then thank him for what's to happen thank him because he's strengthening you tonight tonight is a confirmation that he still has plans for your life supernatural plans for you thank him tonight we, we, we need to learn how to abide in these moments that we're not waiting for it to end. This is why we're here. It's not just to have a service, it's to know Him more. It's to be in His presence more, to learn how to abide. Those that wait upon the Lord, that we might wait in these moments. See, this is where the miracle happens. Not because John has 
spoken, but because now the Holy Spirit is speaking into our life directly. Because now we are accessing, we are approaching boldly. We boldly approach your throne tonight, Father. We want to know you more, Father. We thank you because strength is being released tonight. We thank you because we are you are establishing us tonight again. Restoration is happening tonight. Confirmation is happening tonight. In the name of Jesus, health is being restored. Finances are being restored. Come on, your joy is being strengthened tonight. Your call is being confirmed tonight. You are not at your end. This is just the beginning of what God has for you. There is confirmation. There is strength. Restoration. God is establishing you tonight for what is to come. Because what is to come is so much greater than what you have thought. It's so much greater than what you have asked for. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. See, there are things that God has for you that you haven't even thought of. There are things that God has for you that you haven't even asked for. It's so big. So thank him tonight. Thank him like it's true. Thank him like you believe it. Thank him tonight. Father God, we thank you. We praise you. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor today. We praise you, Father. You have been way too good to be quiet. You have been way too good to be silent. You are too good to be silent. So we lift up our hands. We lift up our voices and we give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We worship you tonight night we abide in your presence we love you father we worship you father hallelujah hallelujah we give you glory we give you honor hallelujah thank you for your holy spirit thank you father for your presence we worship you we worship you we worship you tonight hallelujah 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 Hallelujah! Gloria a ti! Hallelujah! We thank you, Father. We give you glory. Hallelujah! Now just take a minute and just, you know, just prophesy your praise. Come on, what is in your heart, let it come out of your mouth. You know, he is faithful. He is, it's not just something that you have thought of. It's something that God has deposited in your heart. So now, don't be scared. Declare it now in the name of Jesus. There is restoration happening. But my best days are still ahead of me. The rest of my life will be the best of my life. The good old days are not behind me. The good old days are ahead of me. I am walking towards everything God has prepared for me hallelujah 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 glory 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 hallelujah 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 come on though this is not a spectator sport you gotta boldly enter in enter into the presence of god enter with thanksgiving come on enter with praise go in Go in for it all. God has big things. God has great things. God has God-sized things for you in his presence. So enter in. Hallelujah. Glory. Roba, 
excited uh, my, my dad uh, he's one of those he, he's always told us if you were to cut him the great commission would come out right just what, what he does and so as I was running there, there's a reason why I like to run it's, it helps me meditate on what God is speaking and so I'm, I'm like running through these fields I'm so happy but there's a video that my dad would show all the time in this church about the harvest and how these like combine harvesters would come in I don't know if you've seen it or not it's pretty old but it, while I was running I, I, I just felt in my heart that there is a harvest coming that, that, that there is a harvest coming and then it I, I was I, I like to talk with God this way so I'm asking him like okay just show me more you know this is pretty cool I stopped I stopped my my watch to see and, and he just gave me a word he's like just look at Elisha so I'm like what do you mean Elisha so I go back uh, to the room and I'm like all sweaty and everything I'm like trying to read up on Elisha what do you mean about Elisha and I, I, I found out today and, well I found out a lot of things today I told you 1970 the Nobel Prize winner was from here and it said that it is attributed to him uh, that more than a billion lives were saved that decade because of what he did uh, with corn uh, he, he designed this thing with corn and, and then billions were saved. And then Elisha, I found out today, you know, he's, uh, he's this farmer uh, that if it wasn't for Elijah coming in, picking him out and telling him, he would have just stayed at the farm. But God had something so much bigger than just the land and what he was producing. And then I'm like, okay, I get it now. See, this is not, so sometimes we question God's positioning and we're like, God, you know, if, like, if you want to move, why not move in like a city of 10 million people? And it's like, because it's not a, about the place, it's about my power. And they said, and so as I'm praying about it, I, I start to see it, which is why it was so cool was I saw that I've never seen a combine harvester until tonight. 
And I'm like, oh my, I've seen it on videos, everything. And then I was just confirmation. There is, there is a harvest that is coming, which is why these moments are so necessary because when the harvest come in, we better be ready. When the harvest comes in, we better be in place. When the harvest comes in, it's not time to be bickering and fighting. No, 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 that, 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 that was in the past, right? Right now, we are ready for what God is about to do. We are in place for what God is about to do. So with that being said, I, I just like to, to pray. Pray it out. Just help me pray it out. It, it's no, listen, I, I don't pray for every church I go to preach at. Like, it, I love this. There's a special part of my Colombian heart here. And I can't explain it. I'm in love with this place. And maybe it's the air. Maybe it's the, it's the smogless air or, or, or whatnot. But I believe that God is about to do something incredible here. And just think about Elisha. Elisha did double. There was just this like multiplication factor with that. And so with that being said, I just want us to pray this out tonight. I want you to pray it out. And pray it out like you can also believe it with me. That there is a harvest coming. And the cool thing about harvest is that everyone gets blessed. You, you guys know. You know, when, when it's a good harvest, everyone's about to get blessed. You know, and so it's not just about a church. It's about the church. It's about us. And there's, there's this blessing that becomes a testimony. How many believe that tonight? it's like this combine harvester and it's just about to rake it in come on that's amazing so father we just thank you we thank you for the place that you have positioned us in father but most of all we thank you that you are here with us and we declare that what you are about to do we will see with our eyes and we will declare that surely god has been good just like psalm 126 nations will Will see father and they will declare that surely god has been good in this place that this place becomes a lighthouse of the goodness of god of the power of god that we don't send out invitations that people want to come in because god is real his power is alive in this place and father we declare supernatural things even today even tonight healings in the name of Jesus supernatural testimonies in the name of Jesus the power of God in this place in the name of Jesus an increase of your anointing in the name of Jesus in this place father that things flow in this place we don't force we flow we don't we don't make it happen we let it happen all for your glory all for you father we do it for your glory that your name might be glorified in this place and so we thank you in advance we thank you father for miracles we thank you for signs and wonders but most of all we thank you for your presence in this place hallelujah 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 amen amen i like a church that knows how to pray it's like we we know like you guys know how to go there i mean i, I didn't have to take you there you took me there that's, how, that's amazing. And I, I want to take the time uh, before I, I turn, I, I release the microphone and never get it back. That's it. Uh, I, I want to thank you guys. Thank you for the opportunity. This is, it's really meant a lot to me. And I'm not those lovey-dovey people, man. 
uh, but I do love you guys and just know that in, in Colombia you have a, a crazy Colombian in this family that prays for you uh, and you, you you are my Tuesday prayers just so you know uh, and so not Mondays I'm sorry someone else got Mondays it says you're my, you're my Tuesday prayer, but I, I love you guys. And I am believing for so much more. And I, I can see it. And I just want you to see it with me. You know, the, 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 I, I've said this before, but you can tell how much God loves a church by the pastors that he gives you. And he's given you like an amazing set of pastors and just vision. And so this is God, this is not me. Uh, and so once again I thank you it's, it's been an honor it's been a pleasure and hey los amo which means I love you guys alright bye bye let's give it up thank you John man what a what a what a message what a word I mean uh, we've been praying for weeks for this just for the deposit in, in everyone you know and in this church and so we just thank you for just your obedience to that and uh um, it's going to be great to, cr to partner with the crazy Colombian. <laughs> There's great things in store for this man too and his wife. They, uh, they're doing just phenomenal things and it's going to be exciting to see just the, the influence that you have beyond Colombia. So uh, what a great night. Amen. Well, tomorrow we're back here, 7 p.m. Come expecting and uh, we'll have more of the presence of God, more of the power of God, more deposits, more, more uh, just uh, him speaking to our lives and uh, sharpening the axe. Amen. So go ahead and greet those around you and you're free to go and we'll see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Thank you for coming, guys.